Grace and peace to you. That's been a common phrase for me this year. May it be extended and may it continue. Welcome. Good to see everyone here and online. I just popped onto the Zoom call and counted, I think, five different states represented today. I know some of our regular family are traveling and others are tuning in, family and friends. So welcome to all. That's one of the one of the blessings of this is we can connect at a broader level while we continue to struggle uh, to connect more personally and intimately. It's been a year, and I guess on how we intonate that phrase would change maybe the meaning. It's been a year. I know for me, popping up on some of the photo memories, even yesterday, yesterday, March 6th, marked a year since we had a gathering in our home around our dining room table. It's amazing. And maybe some, we're hitting some of those, those milestones, those, those memorial remembrances of a year passing since really our world started to change and we are still in it. I think, imagine telling yourself or hearing the news that it would be a full year before some of the things that we were used to and loved returned. Some of the things that it, it continued to be lost in that, in that month. March 8th marks one year, that'd be tomorrow, a year tomorrow of the last day that we gathered inside to worship together as a community. And so, because we are meant to be people of remembrance because it shapes who we are, and we're meant to be people of hope, we have a tangible way to do that for you. you, know, if, you if you signed in today or checked in today, you saw the pile of rocks. It's the beginning of our remembrance garden and our hope garden. We want it to be both because we are meant to be both. And so whether you take a pre-painted rock, we are invited you to take two, one for remembrance and then one for hope. And to decorate it, to put, put, bring life to it, whether it's an image, a word, a picture, a design, simply, or a, a scripture, or a prayer. Think on that this week or in the weeks. Throughout the month, we want to see that garden grow. And if you need something to do while the preacher is long-winded, you're also welcome to get the rocks. We have acrylic paint pens there for you that you're welcome to borrow or to use while you're on site. Really, any, any acrylic paint works fine on these rocks, if they've, especially if they've been pre-painted. Bring them back. We'll gloss them for you so that they can endure some of the weather and maybe endure longer. And as we see that garden grow of remembrance and of hope, we'll also invite the broader community, the food truck Friday community, to participate and to bring their stones of remembrance. It's an ancient practice. We're doing it in just maybe a little bit more of a modern way. But even if you're not artistic, you can certainly add a word that reflects your heart for the past year, maybe a word or a phrase that reflects your hope for the coming season, because we are moving forward also. And so I invite you, there's some unpainted rocks there if you'd like to really start from the earth and go from there. You're welcome to do that. Grab your devices or your books. Oh, should I let the kids go? Or do you guys want to stay for my sermon? No. Oh, man. One of these days. Let me pray for us as we turn to the word or click to the word. Mark chapter 4 today. I'll pray for our kids as they go to their church gathering. Father, we thank you that we can assemble in this way, that you are with us. Lord, I thank you that you have never left us. And while we strive to find your 
presence and hear your voice at times, Lord. We're thankful for these opportunities to pause, to listen, to reflect, to embrace your word. Lord, I pray that we would, we would sense your presence with us as we've already begun to today. Thank you for these friends and family and for all who are connecting with us online today and for those who are unable. Lord, would your grace and peace also rest upon them. Be with our young ones as you grow them up in you. Grow in them a heart of love, first for you, being reminded of your love for them, that they might also love one another. And that, that true for us also as we are yet children in your eyes. Grow us up, Lord, in every way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, kids, kids four through fifth grade, you're welcome to go with Miss Jenna. I think you've got, you're going to be painting some of the first rocks for us as examples and models. So thank you for that. Wasn't it great to have Holly and Eric back leading us today? Gloved claps. Yeah, I love, we, miss, we miss them. We miss you guys. My wife's traveling today and maybe tuning in online. So miss you too. Come back safely, please. Mark chapter 4. Well, let me start with a question. What are you still certain of? Maybe I should give you a moment. As we've been doing reflection on the past year, what are you still certain of? One of the phrases that's been used ad nauseum this year is, we are living in uncertain times. Maybe we'd like to scratch that phrase from use. What is true? What is trustworthy anymore? Another phrase that I'd like to scratch from use, fake news. It is an oxymoron, you know. <laughs> and yet it's become so commonplace that we wonder, or it's a universal accusation to be sure, we question who we can possibly believe in these days. Who are you listening to? Who do you trust? And can you be sure? I think we're desperate for truth, something to cling on and hold on to. Spring is coming. And yet after 2020, I'm not taking anything for granted. Do you feel more uncertain or unsettled or unstable than maybe ever? Even at the beginning of the pandemic, which unsettled so much, I'm finding within me and within friends and conversations that maybe the unsettledness and instability is even greater now than it was at the beginning when everything was rapidly changing. Do you believe that the, the, the answer, that wisdom, that perspective is, is just beyond reach, it's, but it's, it's out there and you can't quite grasp it. It seems elusive. Do you still believe it's findable? The knowledge, the understanding that, that brings everything into place, that brings balance? Or have you given up that hope completely? Truth, wisdom, what is that? You know, Pontius Pilate said something similar to Jesus, John 18, 38. Truth, what is truth? And maybe we feel that too. Ironically, Jesus' Jesus's life should have been proof to Pilate and to everyone else that he knew something that most of us spend our entire lives seeking to find and never grasping. He lived with a sense of peace in the midst of any storm. Well, that's the picture that's given to us at the end of Mark chapter 4. 
not the primary passage that I'm preaching today, but it frames the whole passage. So it's right for us to hear again because Jesus' life sheds light on his words. Mark 4, 36 to the end. Finally, leaving the crowd, the disciples and Jesus went into a boat and other boats were with them and a great windstorm arose upon the sea and the waves were breaking in the boat. The boat was filling up with water. But Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on a cushion. And the disciples went and woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How many of us have prayed that kind of a prayer this year to God? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I may return to this passage in a week or two. It's worthy of another sermon or more, I'm sure. But this morning it sheds light on the words of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus. As we look back to these numerous parables that are recorded by Mark in verse 21 and following, Jesus said to them, so hold that, hold that picture in mind of him asleep and then giving peace and calm to the storm. Jesus says, is a, lamp brought into, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I believe Mark here is compiling a number of wisdom statements or parables like Proverbs and, and listing them together. In fact, I think they're ones that Jesus probably taught repeatedly with his disciples, with the crowds while on the road. They're probably even reductions or distillations of broader teaching and parable. So listed together somewhat one after another is, is a little strange and maybe disconnected and jarring. Is there a theme or is there a thread that's running through them? And you will likely say the same thing about this sermon. I felt like I was in good company. That seemed rather disconnected. Was there a theme or a thread running through it at all? But pay attention. To those that have more will be given. But I think in taking the whole scope of this section, in listing these wisdom parables and proverbs, Mark has an intention for us. And then showing us the picture of Jesus in the midst of the storm is meant to bring it together, in contrast to the response of the disciples. It's as if he's showing us with the life of Jesus what it means to dwell on and receive the wisdom of Jesus, to meditate on it, to let, let it be light into our life, to walk with it. The result of that kind of life is calm and peace in the midst of any storm. The result of not bringing the wisdom of God into our life is the result of the disciples frantic and fearful when the storm arose on the sea. Now by speaking and teaching in parables as we've seen, Jesus allows us, invites us to explore and uncover deeper and deeper meanings and applications 
It's as if his parables are like a deep pool which you cannot see the bottom of. And if you draw from it, it will quench your thirst. And if you wait upon it, it will offer reflection to you. As an example from another place, if Jesus only taught, love your neighbor, then one might hear that and say, okay, I will. And upon reflection may think, in fact, I have. I'm good. But when Jesus went on to teach the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, it brought flesh to loving. It took on a whole new meaning. Who my neighbor is was expanded broadly. So these parables allow us to go deeper and deeper and be drawn in to find our own application. And so it is here with these parables, though they're shorter, they're more succinct than other parables, even the one that we looked at the last two weeks, the parable of the soil and the seed and growth. But these pictures capture a thousand words. And therefore, as I began to try to bring out my own wisdom as if to add to the wisdom of our rabbi, I was greatly convicted that what could I possibly say in a few moments that would bring to light anything for you of value. And so I'm not even going to try because you are meant to do it as I am to meditate upon the word of God and to see it be light unto us, to not look for the quick and the easy answers. And while some of you are here to say, well, I do want to hear what you have to say, Ben, and I'll consider it and ponder on that. I would much rather be a guide that moves you toward Jesus in practices that you might yourself come to receive and grow in the word of God and the wisdom of Jesus, our rabbi. What will be the end of our growing in his wisdom? Only God knows. Will it be 30 or 60 or 100 fold what we receive? That's the point of the last parable that he taught. Verse 13, when Jesus said, do you not understand this parable how will you understand all the parables then? And I think in, in two ways that might mean this one is as simple as any. You better be able to grasp it. But I also believe there's a vital core in what Jesus means about all of his teaching that we are meant to grow and grow over time to bear fruit for him. This is what Jesus invites us to. We must believe that it is the character and desire of God that we can grow in all ways, in our wisdom and understanding as well as our faith and our action. In psychology, it's called growth mindset, a term coined by Dr. Carol Dweck out of Stanford maybe about three decades ago. In recent years, much has been written about that concept of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. But it's actually an ancient philosophy if we look at Jesus, the wise rabbi, who invites us to always be growing in our thinking and understanding. Not that we can't quickly glean from the wisdom of Jesus as if we're picking up truth off the ground. But he's meant for us to dig deep to find the true treasure. You know, a man groping around in a dark room, unable to even see his hand in front of his face. But if he were to spend hours in that room, feeling everything he possibly could, then maybe later he'd be able to draw some form of a sketch that would close to accurately resemble what was in that room. But if you gave him five seconds of light, 
He would quickly see everything he missed and the errors he made on his perceptions. With humility, maybe we come to the wisdom of Jesus simply like this, groping around in a dark room. But will we allow him to be the light shining into the darkness? If anything remains a secret or a mystery in him, he says it's only a matter of time. Maybe that's thousands of years time, perspective-wise, but only a matter of time before all will be known and revealed. And that can either stop us in our pursuit and become a barrier. What's, it's futile even. How could I possibly know if, if there's no end? Or it could be what encourages us in the pursuit, inspires us that there's always more. Do we have a growth mindset when it comes to our wisdom and our understanding and our walk with this rabbi? Attributed to Aristotle, a phrase similar to this, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. And so it is in every field worth studying, I suppose, but in a faith that is pursuing an infinite and eternal God, is it not more so true? Those of us who believe can always grow and change in our thinking and our understanding. And those that believe they can do and will. It's those that believe they cannot, that they will never amount to much, that they are not sharp enough or bright enough or will never think like that, that likely won't. The idea of repentance that we looked at at the beginning of Mark, this idea of metanoia captures this well. It's a, literally a new way of thinking or a new way of seeing. That's repentance in the, in the biblical author's mind. Change the way you see, change the way you think, and therefore your actions flow from that. Turn, see in a whole new way. The kingdom of God is here. And I believe every teaching of Jesus and parables invites us to that same thing. As much as we may grasp it at first, are we willing to repent again as we come to the scriptures, to see it again in a new way, a deeper way, a richer way, and to grow? When Jesus says in verse 25, to the one who has, more will be given. For the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If that's not an ancient description of Growth mindset versus fixed mindset, I don't know what is. So, Dr. Carol Dweck, maybe you need to cite Jesus. How do we receive and apply these parables, growing in wisdom and understanding and perspective? We all want more. We all want peace in any storm. We want to be unshaken when the world around us is frantic and fearful. To draw on another one of Jesus' parables, which again brings it into light, he said, in one of his most famous teachings, Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 24, hear this parable. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. It stood unshaken because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man with fixed mindset who does not do them and builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. I don't think anyone hears this parable and thinks, I'm going to chance it. I don't believe the storm will come. 
and I want to be close to the water. That's where the best view is. At least no one who has been to the ocean in the midst of a storm. I think everyone wants to be built upon the rock to be as close as we can to that view, but knowing the foundation is secure if any storm comes. To be sure, houses with foundations built into the rock aren't built overnight. Was Jesus able to sleep on that boat, and some have said out of pure exhaustion? <laughs> Likely that's a big piece of it. I don't think we can ignore the exhaustion that Jesus faced living as a man with the demands and burdens that were upon him. And yet, was he only able to sleep out of exhaustion? I think not. Because of what he says in response to his disciples regarding faith. And so was Jesus able to sleep in the midst of a storm and that to be a picture even for us because he had memorized a few Bible verses or had gained a little bit of wisdom and applied it to his life over the years. To say that would be merely trivial. It goes so much deeper than that. Jesus had peace in the storm because he knew his identity. Because he knew who he was. Because he knew without a shadow of a doubt the love of his father for him. Because he knew his eternity was secure no matter what happened in life. He knew that he had already confronted the greatest adversary and had triumphed in the power of the spirit and the truth of God's word. We must come to know these same things. God's word does teach us this, but it's not as simple as merely taking a scripture and memorizing it or striving to walk in the same wisdom of the scriptures, but to do so faithfully with endurance over a long time. If the answer, if you come away today feeling, I must do better, I must be better, I must work harder, if the slogan from Nike just lands on you, then I failed completely. Well, there is work to be done and our faith and our actions go hand in hand. As the Apostle Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. We do see our faith employed into action and there is work and discipline to do, but that striving is led from a place of identity a place of knowing, a place of dwelling in the love of God the Father and being certain of our future and our eternity. And so may you rest in that place. If I can be but a guide, focusing more on the, creating the positions for you to glean and draw deeply from the well of the wisdom of God and not try to quip some pithy statements as if they could add anything to the words of Jesus then let me use this metaphor or analogy. Many of you know I'm a certified personal trainer. Have we, any of us had that kind of relationship? Probably not a help, helpful one. So here you go. I'm putting, on, I'm, I'm putting on the hat for you of the certified personal trainer because physical fitness and discipline, I think, is very paralleled to our spiritual fitness and discipline in some big ways one, and I think at the top of that is simplicity, though it's not easy. You'll hear me use that statement a lot. Getting physically fit and healthy is a number of simple things difficult to apply. And I believe spiritual health and growth is just like that. So with the personal trainer hat, because I think 
every one of us, especially after the year we've had, probably wants to be physically healthier or fitter. And I've heard quipped, which I'm not sure, maybe too soon. But the COVID-19 doesn't just refer to the virus, but the pounds put on this year. And I suppose only in a privileged society could that possibly be true. And yet it is for many of us. You can't just read more books or magazines about physical fitness. You can't just watch the exercise programs. You must get moving. You must apply. The first thing I, I say with any client who wants to get healthier, no matter what their fitness goals are, when they ask, what should I do first? Now, likely they're meeting with me in some form of a gym context where there's a bunch of weights and activities to be done. But the very first thing I always say will probably be surprising to many of you. Simply this week, write down everything that you eat in a notebook. That's all you're going to do this week. That's it. Then we'll come back next week and review what that looks like. By that simple, simple discipline, you will immediately change the way you eat if you're going to be honest to yourself and write down that handful of M&Ms at 3.30 in the afternoon. You will change the way you eat because there's immediate accountability for yourself and for your coach who's helping guide you. Now from there, we go to eat more often. Do not let three or four hours go between consumption of meals. We'll talk about what to eat later. Simply eat more often. Third, drink more water. We'll talk about how much is good for you at some point, but just start drinking more water and carrying around a water bottle with you. You need to increase your aerobic activity. Just start there. Well, how much? Try 30 minutes. Well, how fast should I walk or move or go? We'll talk about that later. Simply work on increasing. You need to put your muscles under resistance. Start with your big ones. Do you know what those are? I bet you can find them with a few minutes alone. How could you put them under resistance? We'll talk about how later. Do you know what the simplest and final exercise that I give them do this every day. And yet that's the hardest one to apply. Now, to be sure, this isn't an exhaustive list, and there's so much more about our physical fitness and health and your goals and your challenges to overcome. But at the core and the basic, the simple, understandable, you can understand these things today and apply them today. Begin to apply them today. The challenge is in daily doing so. And so it is, as I put back on the pastor hat, and maybe that's all you needed to hear today, so you're welcome. It's $60 an hour, so for 10 minutes, you know what the bill is going to be. Putting the pastor hat back on, you can't just read the book or listen to the messages. And I know you all have other pastors online. So let me add a few disciplines that are simple that I found as helpful as any others in my life. And you're not going to like some of these. Starting with the first one. Get up early. Get up earlier than your body would get up on its own. I think you have ways to figure out how to do that. Therefore, number two, or maybe it's just 
parentheses from number one, go to bed earlier so that you can get up earlier. Oh, number two is even worse. Before you look at any screen, pray. Thank God for life and breath in the day before you. By the way, don't still be laying in bed. I'm not saying don't pray first thing when you're, if that could be your first thought, that's usually not mine. I've got to fight and win the battle to get out of bed first, the battle against the covers. Then I can start praying, thanking God for the day, inviting him to speak. And third is kind of like it. Before looking at any screen, invite God's word into your life that his voice would be first that no other noise would distract. Yeah, but I've got emails and notes, and what did I miss? And I better check. I better at least glance to see if I missed anything. You were going to be asleep. You don't yet need to look at any screen. Invite the voice of God to be the first one into your life. And maybe it's meditating on one verse, and that's all. Maybe it's reading a section of the scriptures well, look out. Wake up. Thankfully, we don't wake up like that every morning, do we? Maybe we would get out of bed more quickly. Verse 22 is worth meditate, and 23 are worth meditating on for days, if not weeks, of this chapter. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you haven't meditated on that for days, if not weeks, I, I'm, I'm wagering that you do not even begin to grasp those words. Be reminded of God's love for you every day. But how do I do that? And there's lots of ways. But if you, don't, if you haven't read Psalm 139 and Romans 8 so much that you haven't memorized, then start there. The love of God for you. Dwell on God as Father. Be certain of it. 